Well, hello and welcome to This Week in Mormons. I am Jennifer Roach, hosting for this week. I stole the keys from Kurt, taking it out for a spin, and we'll see how we do. And joining me is no stranger to This Week in Mormons, everyone's friend, Liz Busby. Hi. <laughs> how are you doing, Liz? Doing good, doing good. Uh, working on the next season of my podcast, Pop Culture on the Apricot Tree. So you, you are always up to fascinating stuff. Oh yeah, we're excited. We're gonna we're gonna do some interesting stuff this year. Crossovers with another couple of Mormon podcasts. We're gonna we're looking to get into an episode about the Chosen, which should be fun. No, no. I know, right? <laughs> We're going to re-Mormonize the Chosen, which was not Mormon in the first place. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, for, for viewers of this show <laughs> and of Pop Culture on the Apricot Tree, you can go back in time and find our episode on Midnight Mass. Yes. That was a very fun episode. It was a fun episode where, where somehow we looped in a Catholic <laughs> to come That's and great. talk with both of us about Mormon theology. So that was fun. Yes, it was great. <laughs> Really fun. Uh, but you're involved in other stuff too. What else, what else do you do? Oh, I'm up to so many things, too many things. I was just doing my weekly review and realized I have too many balls in the air again. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you do the Association of Mormon Letters stuff. Right, right. And I'm helping edit a issue of Eriantum, which is their literary journal, mm-hmm. um, on genre fiction. So we're going to have wow. sci-fi, fantasy, Western, mystery, romance. If what? we can get people to submit it. So the deadline to submit is February 1st. If you've got a story that's too Mormon for too mm-hmm. LDS for mainstream, I want to see it. So I could write a, a romance about cowboys in outer space and you might publish it. If it has members of the church in it. They're members of the, <laughs> or they're out on a mission. I don't know. <laughs> oh, there's there's all sorts of interesting things you can do. So I'm working on a research paper right now as well for the AML conference, which is this spring, mm-hmm. about um, Mormons and aliens. So nice, nice. Yes, portrayals of aliens and uh, missionary work, and kind of looking into that aspect of LDS fiction. So very good. I love it. You're always up to fun stuff. The stuff I have been up to is probably not nearly as fun because the thing that came to mind first is I have two lazy atheist cats. (laughs) (laughs) They're over here sleeping like right to the side. They can't even be bothered when I'm talking about them to look up. One of them has learned how to open the freezer door and he will ride on the door like it's a ride. It swivels back and forth. And he sits on there like he is the king of Prussia and just rides the freezer door, which doesn't do great things for my frozen food. No. The, uh, the other one has learned that the printer I have has a button on it that if you press that button, it prints the test page. And so oh. little atheist cat, he presses it in the middle of the night because he thinks I'm going to get up and feed him. It sounds like having cats is a lot like having two-year-olds that never sleep. Oh, it really is. <laughs> I love them. They're adorable. However, this particular week, I'm ready to kill both of them. Oh. That's not actually my most interesting thing. My most interesting thing probably is um, I'm doing a series for FAIR on Come Follow Me New Testament, which has been really, really fun to do. I've taped seven, eight, nine of them or something so far. And so it's fun to get to see those to go out into the world. 
I really enjoyed those. I've watched the, I think there's two out on YouTube mm-hmm. right now, the intro yeah. and then your first one. Mm-hmm. I've really enjoyed those because I've always been interested in figuring out how our theological concepts relate <laughs> to other um, denominations. And mm-hmm. it's hard to find a nice neutral place, a nice neutral description of that, right? There, Everything is very slanted one way or the other. Yeah. And I think you're doing a good job kind of translating between um, mainstream Protestantism and LDS beliefs. I appreciate that. I am trying for neutral. <laughs> I'm sure I'll get well, my mean, hand not slapped. Neutral, neutral, but just like but fair, a reasonable description yeah. that they would recognize themselves in. Just like I yeah. don't often recognize myself in in their descriptions of our theology. So, right. <laughs> what you didn't see yourself in Under the Banner of Heaven? Not so much. Had an episode I... on that. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into the news. We've got some some really, really fascinating ones this week. I thought we would start with photoshopping. What's this story all about, Liz? Oh, dear. (laughs) So the church put out an image for members to download and share of Mary and Jesus. It's a Christmas image, mm-hmm. you know, nativity. Um, turns out it's an edited version of a classical work. And they've, you know, they've removed the angels. They've adjusted the lighting and stuff. Mm-hmm. But the big controversy, of course, <laughs> is that they've adjusted uh, Mary's top line um, mm-hmm. so that she doesn't have any cleavage. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's kind of an unfortunate look. What what reactions to that have you seen around the internet? Oh, generally a lot of n- not very flattering reactions <laughs> to it, shall we say. And I just try to go in my head like, what if they hadn't done that? Then mm-hmm. what would have happened? Then we'd have a bunch of people from the church commenting either yeah. Mary's immodest or <laughs> see, it's fine to be immodest, Mary's immodest. So... You can't win. win. Can't win, can't lose. It's just the way it's going to be. Yeah. It, the thing that makes me sad is I'm sure we could have found a piece of art that wasn't a classical piece of art that's produced mm-hmm. by an LDS creator. There are so yeah. many wonderful LDS artists out there. Let's use them. We don't have to modify stuff from old art. Yeah. Let's just let's use some new art. That's that's the part that I wish we had done. That that is exactly where I'm with you. I I've seen a couple of people try to make the case of the old piece of art is clearly the reference and this is a new interpretation on it and therefore it should be allowed to be interpreted as its own new thing. But I'm with you. I would rather see actual new art. And there are so many good artists right now. Could it could have yeah. spread some love around poor Mary. Yeah. I, it, the church has this wonderful art exhibit. They have an art contest every couple of years, right? Mm-hmm. The international art competition. There are so many great things there. And I just yeah. hope we can actually use that art yeah. in other places than just the art competition. It should get used. Aren't the winners of that competition, they're displayed not at the his, Church History Museum. Yeah, it's they're, the Church History Museum. The Church History Museum. Okay. Oh, yeah, yes, that's And right. you can view them all online. You mm-hmm. can view them all online. And the church purchases some of them. Oh. And so I'm hoping that that means they're going to end up in Come Follow Me manuals. Yeah. They're going to start using them for campaigns. Um, they did use some of them for, like, TikTok-type videos on mm-hmm. the church YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um that were called look closer. And they looked at these pieces of art that were from the art competition. They were really cool. Don't look too close. Mary's got cleavage. (laughs) 
Oh boy. I mean, <laughs> who doesn't have cleavage in their post uh, natal pictures? Uh, just gave birth. My God, give her a break. <laughs> Poor, poor Mary. Oh dear. All right, moving on. Um, to the relief of many, we have a new come follow me year. Yeah. Testament. Um, how many people in your in your ward were just breathing a sigh of relief that we are out of the Old Testament? Oh man, Old Testament year is tough. Mm-hmm. It, it is just feels like you need to have a lot more background because it's just so much further away, even than yeah. the New Testament. Yeah. I actually love the Old Testament, but I understand where people are coming from when they say that. And, you know, most other churches, they've got the Old Testament and the New Testament, period, the end of it. And so mm-hmm. if you want to know the whole breadth of scripture, that's all like you just get more time to study what was David doing in the city of AI, right? And and we have two other books on top of the, those to learn. So our lectionary cycle only does that. What, like you only hear the stories once every four years. What are you going to do? I heard that back in the 70s when they first started doing the, the cycle of every four years, it was actually every mm-hmm. five years. And the Old Testament got two years, which it fully deserves. Oh. It's so long. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So maybe um, maybe that's an idea. <laughs> My secret slash not so secret wish is that we would rearrange how we're doing the Old Testament and do it like we're doing the New Testament, which is the similar stories are getting grouped together. We're getting all the nativity stories Mm. up front in January together because they all go together. The Old Testament tells us many of the same stories multiple times. And then later it gives us the prophecies around those stories completely out of context Somewhere else, it gives us the psalm written about that story completely out of context. Why not smash all those together just like we do with the New Testament? It baffles me that we don't do that. But here we are. Yeah, it it's really tough. <laughs> yeah. Um, the way that it's arranged. It's, it's interesting. I actually got to teach the first week of New Testament Come Follow Me, which is kind of the bridge lesson which was very interesting. I've been reading about the Apocrypha. And so I tried to, in my very, like, I've read one book about the intertestamental period (laughs) way, be like, here's what happened in these 400 years. Let's set up why the New Testament's in Greek and not in Hebrew. Uh, Yeah, uh, It's a lot. And the church has done more to put out um, stuff about that. I think I've seen more about the Apocrypha and the intertestamental period from church publications this year than I ever have. And maybe I'm just paying more attention. But it yeah. seems like we've turned a corner to be like, hey, let's actually pay attention to the history. I was at um, BYU Education Week this last August where a class was being offered on the Apocrypha. And they had not one, not two, but three overflow rooms of people wow. who wanted to hear and learn about what's going on in the Apocrypha. So the interest is People want to know. Yeah. All right. Moving on to a story that is Far less fun. A story that sounds like it belongs in the Old Testament. Indeed. Utah father kills his wife, his five kids, and his mother-in-law. You want to catch us up? And himself. Thank you. Oh, gosh. I mean, it's just... What do you know? (laughs) It's just a tragedy. I mean... They were found on a in a welfare check um, mm-hmm. after they didn't kids didn't show up at school, hadn't seen him at work, mm-hmm. and they found this family that all of them had been shot. So obviously, it's in the 
the town of Enoch, Utah. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a small town and it's very traumatizing to the whole community. Just, yeah, yeah. I just Here. can't even imagine this. Um, the Deseret News article does confirm mm-hmm. they are members of the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and the mother was trying to get a divorce, I believe. And yeah. so that's probably the, that's about all the details we have at this point, but I imagine that's kind of the precipitating event here. The, the bit about her getting divorced to me as a mental health therapist is so fascinating because we've known for a really long time, the most dangerous time for a woman in a domestic violence situation is when she's trying to leave her mm-hmm. chances of being killed go up. I don't remember the number, but it's an awful lot when she's trying to leave, which it, you know, it started to trickle down into kind of the normal um, people conversation about domestic violence that it used to be. If you, why don't you just leave? Why don't you just leave? Just grab, just grab your kids and run. Well, this is, this is why that has to be done really carefully. Um, and not that not putting any blame on this mother should that she wasn't careful or whatnot, but it just proves the point of that is the most dangerous time for her and for her kids. Yeah. So, I mean, and this, this story got some national coverage, got mm-hmm. condolences from the white house, from the Utah governor. And yeah, uh, it's just, it's so, so sad. Yeah. It really so is. <sighs> I don't uh, even know what else to say on that one. I don't think there is much else to say. I yeah. hope that, People get the help they need. They all the schools are mm-hmm. making help available, so hopefully, yeah. the community can get through this. I'm sure more more details will emerge on that one as it comes out. Um, yeah. yeah. All right, moving on. Um, ha, this article. So, Salt Lake Trib says church growth is stuck at one percent. <laughs> Basically, the gist of the story is like 40 years ago, the church was growing, just bursting at the seams. And now we're now we're just stuck. What has gone wrong? Which is a very Salt Lake Trip way to write that headline. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What do you what do you think about this story, Liz? Oh, well, I remember reading um, right when I was out of college reading. What's that? I believe it's by Harold Bloom where he talks about how Mormonism is going to become the next great American religion. Oh, yeah. Take over the country. Like all these predictions from the 80s, right? Yeah. We loved because we were winning. (laughs) Yay. Um, And demographics have changed. The political environment Mm -hmm. has changed. Mm -hmm. So this idea that like, slowing church growth is a sign of anything is probably just as backwards as the idea that meteoric church growth is a sign that the church is true. Like those are both propositions Mm -hmm. that are connected to each other and you can't really accept one without accepting the other. So maybe we should reject both of them and just say people come to the church when they're ready and that's between them and the Lord and Mm -hmm. the political environment, the environment in the world and socially is going to affect that and it's not necessarily having to do with the church (laughs) yeah we we exist in a culture and there is no way to live outside of that culture we can't just decide oh we're not going to have the changing demographics affect us 
My right. my initial thought on this, and it, and I looked up the statistics just because I knew they were out there and wanted to see, was like, well, where's everybody else at? All right, so if we're at one percent growth a year, how is that comparing to other people? And the the phrase I had heard from a lot of folks that I hadn't ever kind of chased down was like, most churches are actually in the negative; they're losing people, and and here we are with only like slight growth, like 1%. I mean, we might not even be, you know, barely covering the the baby boomers who are dying. Um, but I got, I got curious and thought like, okay, what, what are, are other churches at? The very worst case of this that I could imagine um, is the Episcopal church because they have just bled members for the last 10, 15 years. Oh, no. um, they have probably had a bigger exodus than, than almost anybody. They're, they experience a, a decline of 49%. So we're gaining 1%. They're losing 49%, which which is kind of interesting. There's a lot of other factors at play for them. So I looked at like, okay, like who's a more like closer to middle of the road kind of example. And in my mind, that was like the Methodists and the Presbyterians. Um, But they've had their challenges too. Presbyterians are in decline at 47%. And the United Methodists, which are the more liberal of the Methodists, they're in decline at 33%. So decline Mm -hmm. for most churches kind of is the norm right now. 1% growth is not anything to get excited about, but it is, it's better than losing 50%. Now, one of the interesting things they did talk about in this article is it compared, um, the places where the church is growing, like the church is mm-hmm. growing in Africa and in India. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then it took it and compared it to how other churches are growing in that, um, mm-hmm. in those areas. And it especially asserts that, Oh, the Jehovah's witnesses and the seventh day Adventists are doing much better in Africa than the church mm-hmm. in terms mm-hmm. of raw numbers growth. Um, I didn't look into the numbers like you did. I find that assertion very interesting. Um, yeah. And I was, we were talking about it with a few friends um, and wondering maybe if it has to do with the fact that the Jehovah's Witnesses tend to use missionaries who live in the area, right? Whereas we mm-hmm. tend to send missionaries from elsewhere and move them around every six weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that disconnect between um, the missionaries and then the handoff to members, right? And that's yeah. the often the hard part of missionary work is making that transition from the relationship you have with your missionaries to having a relationship with the ward and like that ongoing, mm-hmm. um, which I think is something the church has been trying to do since the eighties, right? Like every member yeah. of missionary, let's go. Um, yeah. and it's something we struggle with. I think that we could mm-hmm. learn. We could definitely take that as a lesson to learn. Yeah. I was surprised in that article. Um, that growth in South America is not as strong as I thought it would be. I mean, every conference, Brazil is getting announced new temples. Um, not mm-hmm. that Brazil is the only player in South America, but I was a little bit surprised by that. Not super surprised about growth in Africa. I feel like um, any any church that's sending missionaries to Africa seems to be doing well. Um, and 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 what is what is that all about? Some of that's um, a desire, I think, for locals who live there to see their status raised, to become kind of more westernized. 
And so sometimes I get a little skeptical about the Africa statistics of like, what, what really is driving all of this? And I, I have no desire to question the faith of the African saints. You all are wonderful. You're not listening to this, but if you were, I would tell you that you're wonderful. Um, it, in, in the regular Protestant world, a lot of what's driving growth there is the prosperity gospel people who go mm-hmm. and teach them, you know, if you, if you join our church, God will grant you a million dollars or what, whatever their version of it is. And that feels incredibly cruel um, to, to preach to people who are in, in desperate poverty. So I don't know. Yeah, yeah there's the hope that thing. we can like adapt well to the culture over there and really create something that works with their culture and find try to sift what is what is the gospel and what is essential parts of the church and what are the culture that we have just because of where the church mm-hmm. started in America and figure out that balance and make it something that's sustainable and not colonial. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. I mean, Liz, I've, I've only been in the church just a, a few years, so I don't have nearly as, as long of a perspective that, on this as you do. But it does seem to me like even when you watch conference or when you look at the pictures that are used, like say in Come Follow Me, the, mm-hmm. the cover of last year's Come Follow Me didn't look like a normal American home living room, white family sitting around setting, right? Like that's that's maybe a, a different cultural context talks seem to be given with that in mind in conference. Is that change? Is that new, like say compared to the eighties? I would say in the past 10 years, really. Um, Cause we've seen like just little things like, like you mentioned a couple that I've noticed are the children's, the comic book picture scriptures that they mm-hmm. sell at the distribution center. They've redone those. Like they're slowly mm. redoing those. And the skin tones are a lot more accurate than they mm-hmm. used to be. They're not all white people in the mm-hmm. Book of Mormon or in the New Testament <laughs> or in the Old Testament one. So that's nice mm-hmm. to see. Um, I think we're going to also see whenever that new hymn book comes out mm-hmm. that we started working on in 2016, that we're going to see a lot more regional variation and mm. yeah, having, and maybe I would love it if we could get some hymns from other parts of the world as well. So we can like, you know, shock us out of our, our American culture. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. And I, and right. The uh, Mormon tabernacle, the non-Mormon tabernacle choir, oh, the um, tab cats are, uh, <laughs> are having more uh, international choirs, right? Like that yeah. new movement. I think we're working on trying to figure out how this works. Um, the talk translation experiment in general conference was part of that, which didn't work out, mm. I think, but. Maybe they'll figure it out in the future. Yeah. I can't imagine what it is like to consider, how do I take a talk and make it applicable to somebody who lives in any country around the world? Like yeah. I teach relief you society. You be so careful about analogies and yes. things that you take for granted. <laughs> yeah. I teach relief society and I have to think about like, is this talk going to make sense to the people who live in the apartments and the people who've lived here for a long time? Like... It just, I I can't imagine doing that on a global scale. Absolutely. Yeah. So I I think the church is definitely aware and working on it. Mm -hmm. Um, There's going to definitely be some missteps along the way that people are trying to figure out as we go. But I I think we're doing okay. (laughs) Yeah. 
some somewhere I saw someone talking about, you know, eventually there comes a day where the president of the church is not a white person. And well, oh, that that's always one of my favorite things reading um <laughs> Reading Mormon uh, speculative fiction, there's a yeah. lot of sci-fi stories set in the future, and it's always fun to see the names that they pick out for future apostles. It's hilarious. I love it. I love it. Well, we are going to end on a very a story I love. If you remember, many, many months ago, the church donated um, a pretty big donation to the NAACP to work on infant and maternal health. And there's a story, it's in the local paper there and I can't remember what the paper is called and it got re-ran by MSN um, but a story about how they're using this the program is called um, My Baby for Me and it's helping moms and infants in the poorest areas in the south in the United States to raise the levels of um, infants just surviving infancy it's crazy to think about that there are still women who live in our our country, our westernized world, where worrying about your your baby dying is a real concern to them just because of their, their lack of access, um, nutrition, all kinds of things. So the, the church gives this money to the NAACP. They are administering the program, but it, it's a really neat article. So ch- check out the link. It has a um, an LDS couple, I think they're actually doing their senior mission with this program. Um, just trying to, to help babies stay alive. Isn't that weird to think about that? We still have to think about infant mortality in 2023. It's, it's so strange that it's not a thing that we worry about anymore. Like Mm -hmm. for most of human history, this has been a major concern. And so we're actually the weird ones that we don't have to worry about it, that it's shocking that babies die, right? The average, average age of a human at death was 18 for most of history, right? Most people didn't make it to adulthood. So, yeah, but I'm so glad that we're doing something about that. Like that's a a great way for the church to be using its funds. Right. Mm -hmm. And, when I was pregnant with my son, who now is well grown, he's in no danger of infant death. He's almost 22. Um, but when I was pregnant with him, I came down with a condition where my doctor ended up telling me after everything was safe and fine, he says, you know, not very many women die in childbirth in the United States, but when they do, they die from what you just had. Oh, oh, oh thank so, you. Thanks. Yeah, glad glad to, you didn't tell me that in the middle of the crises. Yeah, oh, dear. but it, it it is it's very weird to think about. Yeah. Uh, all right, Liz. If people want more of you, where do they find you? Um, you can follow my writing on LizBusby.com or listen to pop culture on the Apricot Tree on the podcast platform of your choice. Very. I have enjoyed many an episode of Pop Culture on the Apricot Tree. I do admit to having to ask someone what that reference meant. <laughs> yes, it's definitely an inside baseball reference. But yeah, I, uh, I, I've never attended primary, so there you go. <laughs> oh, don't say that. Now you're going to get your calling. <laughs> uh, I don't think, I don't know that they would want me in primary. <laughs> Um, if you are so inclined and would like to hear more about New Testament, come follow me. I have a new series um, on Fair Latter-day Saints where I am answering evangelical questions that come up as we work through the New Testament verses, what their perspective is, 
what our perspective would be and why we so often talk past each other. So far, I've done some episodes on who Jesus is and do we believe in the Trinity and who is the Holy Ghost? There's lots of big ones coming right out of the gate. You can find that on um, the Fair Latter-day Saints YouTube channel or right on their website. All right, Liz. So good to see you. Good to see you too. Appreciate you taking time with us while you've got all these frying pans on the oven. (laughs) Oh, that's the way to go. But love this week in Mormons. So yeah. Thanks. Good to see you listeners. We will see all of you next time. Thanks. Bye.